0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's 6 o'clock in London, it's 1pm in New York, it's 1am in Hong Kong and it's 10.30am in San Francisco, 10am indeed in San Francisco, 3am in Sydney and 10.30 at night in Mumbai. Good morning, good evening, good day to you wherever you are in the world of markets. My name is Patrick L. Young. The IPO vid livestream series 3 episode 5 starts here. So, since our last show, episode 16, we're now on to episode 17. We have the happy news that no fewer than 5 million new investors joined the Moscow Stock Exchange last year. Now, that's pretty spectacular given the fact that they started 2020 with only 3.8 million investors. They ended the year with 8.8 million investors, a stunning record number of new arrivals into the stock market. Of course, the Robin Hood phenomenon's been a massive thing in the United States of America, but one other country with a enormous, an enormous number of new investors has been China. Some eighteen million accounts were added over the course of twelve months. In other words, that's more than the population of my native Northern Ireland every month. That looks like a pretty lucky number in the West, 17.77 million investors. But I suppose in China, they might have been even more interested because that would have been something like 18.88 million investors, which would have been, of course, a series of lovely lucky eights. This is a phenomenal increase in our markets. It's wonderful to see so many investors in there. Although I suppose the Robin Hood meet, meets lockdown effect in the United States of America certainly brought more capital into capital markets, if not perhaps quite as many people. That's to be debated for the future, as is the commercial future of the Shanghai Stock Exchange. There's a group of financiers there. Want to see the management being a lot more commercial than the current communist party apparatchiks who get to run the company by rote will we see an ipo of a stock exchange in communist china well that ladies and gentlemen would surely be a major win for free markets all this and more has already been covered in greater detail in exchange invest daily the unique forces of business magazine the only newsletter devoted to the business of forces Send us an email or hit me up, Patrick L. Young, whatever social media you're watching this on, and we'll sign you up for a free trial. Meantime, ladies and gentlemen, do me one favor. Give me a little bit of physical violence today. Can you smash the like button just underneath wherever this screen is on whatever social media you're watching? Help us. Get to the giddy heights of social media excellence so more people can see us, and indeed, we can enjoy more illuminating conversations with guests, such as today's guest, Modwena Rees-Mogg. We're going to talk about startup pluralism. Just to give you a little bit of a flavor, Modwena Rees-Mogg has over 30 years' experience working in corporate finance business angel investment and venture capital she started the portal angelnews.co.uk in 2003 which is almost the ice age of uk startups i think in many respects it's certainly a sort of a pre-jurassic era compared to the modern machinations of the startup communities With only a thousand pounds of startup capital. Good for you. Angel News Group has been expanding ever since, and that's what we're gonna be talking about today, amongst other things, along with her other ventures, such as the Pluralists Club, and indeed the various events that she's managed over the years, such as the Great British Private Investor Summit and the Venture Capital Trust and EIS Investor Forum. Moduena is a non executive director of the quoted Albion Technology and General Venture Capital Trust. And also, she's a non executive director of Asset Match, which is closer to our parish, being a lovely little niche bond platform. She was also a co founder of the ratings agency, CrowdRating.co.uk, which was sold to Nextfin in 2019. As always, you know the rules, ladies and gentlemen. Ask us a question. We'll be delighted to pass it on to Modwena. Let's get this conversation started. We're going to be looking at startups and all sorts of early stage investing. Modwena, good evening. Welcome to the show.
1: Good evening. It's lovely to
0: see you. It's a delight to see you too. Thank you very much. Now, where are you joining us from in this wonderful world today?
1: I'm in deepest Somerset in the UK, which is south of Bristol, for your international readers if you get out your uh, maps. Um, And it's pretty rural around here and it's getting warmer, but it's been quite snowy for the last few days.
0: Yes, the UK blanketed with snow recently. I've got to say, Somerset, if you don't know it, beautiful place to go. Ideal place to enjoy the delights of the English countryside. Best served, I think, with a side dose of a good classic car to enjoy some of those elegant side roads, but not at great speed because we don't want you to scare the animals. So, Madhuena, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in the glorious, glamorous and incredible City of London?
1: Uh, I, I started off by um, getting well, actually, right before I got my job, I managed to, by accident, win a competition that ICI set for selling bathrooms and bathroom suites online uh, or via a sort of, you know, a game we had to play. And I won that, and that made me feel that I was probably quite business like as a student. And then I left St Andrews, University of Scotland, and joined Climb Benson, which was in those days a major, we called it a merchant bank, but think of it like a British Goldman Sachs.
0: Absolutely, quite the bank indeed in those days. That was, a, that was a super name altogether. So what were you actually doing there? Were you working
1: in corporate finance? I was, yes, I was doing international M&A, uh, takeovers, takeovers, uh, right down to advising companies on what dividend they should pay.
0: Fabulous altogether. So how did you manage to get from there towards the idea of finding Angel News?
1: Um, I left uh, the city to um, actually to get married, don't tell the boys, but, um, and then moved down to Somerset and didn't want to get a proper job again in London and have to commute. So I fell in with a load of entrepreneurs and other lots of entrepreneurs and hung out with them. And then uh, someone I know who I helped get their business to become a sort of simultaneous cash cow and superstar, uh, they asked me in dot-com boom times to run a what, what you would all know as an angel club. So we got together a crowd of high net worth investors and started showing them some deals. Fantastic!
0: And so that was all in Somerset, was it, or around about that area?
1: No, in those days it was it was in it, the, the activity was in London, the live activity, and I had a very pretty ropey dial up CompuServe connection. If anyone remembers CompuServe, and they used to have to go down to my IT shop to nick their broadband because they were to the only broadband in Somerset. Uh, so I'd sit on the bench next to their techies trying to get enough broadband to do stuff. And uh, then uh, after a couple of years, I decided that I'd set up Agile News because I fancied being around myself.
0: How fantastic. And and actually, yes, gosh, I do so well remember CompuServe, an organization which was so keen to exploit the liberty of the World Wide Web that everybody had a number rather than a name, if I remember correctly. So you 7031642. Don't feel as if we're taking away your anonymity there. Yes. Um, gosh, CompyServe, that really takes me back actually to that sort of early zeitgeist of, the, of, the, of the, the, the dot-com era. So therefore, so where are we at the moment? We're in like the late 1990s, something like that? Oh, we're in
1: the early 2000s. Early
0: 2000s. And, then oh. I,
1: yeah. and I've, got so, know, I've got to know I've a lot of people, so I, so I set up this news service so they could all find out what was going on, because I discovered nobody really knew what was going on except in their own little world, and we mm-hmm. didn't have the internet in the way we have it now. So news was the board sheets or the, or, or the tabloids, um, maybe specialist mags. So I, it's a sort of specialist mag online for the engine industry.
0: Well, that's a great thing. I mean, that's, that's the sort of thing where good grief, even only in the last decade, I discovered nobody seemed to have done the same thing for the exchange industry. So anybody who's looking for a good startup idea out there, as long as you're obsessively pathological about your niche there's actually a good publishing opportunity at all points in time. So, so Angel News nowadays, you've become really the kind of go-to space for angels in the UK. I'm sure it wasn't that easy at the first. I mean, you have a small group of people. How did you manage to grow the business?
1: I started with my mum as my first subscriber. <laughs> and we just gradually started putting news up. And I still remember the day Four months for somebody to actually send me a story of their own accord without asking. So I did four months of building content on the site. I then decided it was a, a gobsmack when the first story came in. I still remember it. And then we started, I decided as a publisher, I should publish it. be damned. So I started sending a newsletter. And again, these are long before the days of MailChimp and everything. So mm-hmm. I, I used to just collect email addresses from people who subscribed to the site and then download them. And then I would. BCC them in chunks of 100 with my monthly newsletter, which if it was a bit weak on content, I'd just put a newsletter out telling jokes or something, anything to get people reading it and opening it. And um, and it went global without me realising. So um, people started ringing me up saying, what on earth are you doing? And, you know, I'm in Canada. Or <laughs> I was like, well, it's, you know, what I'm doing. I don't quite know how I'll monetize it yet, but one day and um so then in 2005 i hired somebody to help me who had experience of working with startups and he went and had i gave him three months to find the first customer he was fired and he found the first customer after two months three weeks so we were up. All-
0: excellent and so therefore what's the uh, what's the business model now Substra- straight subscription for readers or how does it work
1: so it's a bit it's really advertising at the moment it's sort of one day I'll make it subscription but it's such a useful platform for the other things I do and the knowledge I get to learn but share with other people and that makes me very useful to other people so I do conferences and I do uh do research work and survey work and uh a bit of advertising and then one day one day Patrick maybe I should talk to you we should I should go subscription
0: well, I think it's, you know, it's a really interesting thing going to subscription models because you instantly lose a vast chunk of your circulation and therefore you've really got to be, and I think a really, you've either got to be an incredibly micro niche or you've got to have some sort of product that people just feel completely desolate without. And that that's a huge issue. I mean, we started free with Exchange Invest and then we went subscription only because, Really, it was the best way to manage to make it work. I, I knew that actually I'd made the right decision. I will tell you an anecdote back. When I was testing the software for the payment gateway, the first payment gateway, and somebody subscribed because he'd just been going through the site, and on, and it was at like eleven o'clock on a Saturday night. Because I thought nobody will be reading about exchanges then, so I can test this thing. And suddenly he saw this payment gateway come up, and he thought, "Oh, I'm subscribing and subscribed." And said, "I do my number one subscriber." And now he he writes to me all the time and says, I, "You know, it's it's me, subscriber number one." And I do. <laughs> if you're watching, you're the best. So. That's, a, that's a great story. I, I think that's really good. But no, but it's very interesting. I and mean, With a, a more mass market product, where obviously you're looking like angels and stuff like that, you can reach an enormous number of people around the world by keeping the list free, and, and that's obviously very advantageous. So give me, a, give me a little flavor then about, you know, how do you see the world of startups and the whole, the whole ecosystem? I mean, it's radically changed from where it was in 2002, 2003.
1: I think I think in every way the costs have come down. So mm-hmm. I think you really should be able to start a business with a thousand pounds now. If I could do it with a thousand pounds back then, yeah. um, you have you've now got a, you know what I call a volunteer army because of the economic conditions. There are a lot more people with uh, either because they haven't got work or because of lockdown they're knocking around. So they have got a few you know grab that grab that free twenty percent of the time they have. Get them to come and help you. So the costs of starting a business have dropped. And at the same time, we have the fantastic arrival of more and more capital into the market as investors hunt for growth. And they know they get growth from unquoted companies. That's where it's coming from, certainly in the UK.
0: Yeah, it's really fascinating. And also, of course, the UK has this, for our foreign viewers, I mean, longstanding series of tax breaks. So therefore, you have this enterprise investment scheme and all the related things around it. I mean, they've been a huge pillar. To the startup scene in the UK?
1: Yeah, it's, it's about, uh, I think about five or six billion is going in across VC and Angels a year into about 6,000 companies or more. So, you know, there's definitely a live lively community. And so, yes, yeah, you're abroad, come to the UK and set up your business. Please do.
0: It's certainly it's, it's an incredible number. I mean, five to six billion in terms of, and that's pounds. So in U.S. dollars, add thirty percent on top. It's it's an amazing number to be seen going into those sorts of companies. Also, I think I mean one of the things that always strikes me is the U.K.'s great advantages. It's cheap. I mean, nowadays mind bogglingly cheap to actually start a company. I mean, for a lot of countries,
1: yeah, yeah fifty pounds, plus 50 pounds
0: plus. yeah. I mean, it's incredible. I'm, we, had a, we had a subsidiary in Romania at one point, and that was actually the ultimate in Kafka's corporate formation, because you walked around this office where you had to have your piece of paper stamped by desks A, B and C, but B and C could only stamp after you'd been to A, D and E which made it quite difficult to then get to f which you needed to get back to C. <laughs> I mean simply impossible i mean just impossible to do so you know if you're looking to set up a company and i know actually i mean that's a big thing in in eastern europe central yeah. europe a lot of people particularly in the era of the eu and the uk being a member a lot of people were setting up uk companies because it was actually cheaper you can find Polish websites with Polish chartered accountants in the UK who'll service your startup for you because it's much, much easier to run a business in the UK.
1: Yeah, we have very clear law and very yes. law. And if you're if you set up a UK company, indeed actually if you're an overseas company but set up a UK subsidiary that's an authentic company, so you can't have yes. it office box, but actually you can benefit from English investors, can invest in that subsidiary and get tax breaks on investing in you. So even if you're operating abroad but want to set up in the UK and need capital, set up your business also in the UK as well as your own domicile and then start raising capital over here.
0: That's fascinating. I mean, that's really, really interesting when you think about it because the UK really has become such a magnet for the ease of doing business and it's even something you can't necessarily get in other countries because certainly i mean the 50 pound entry level is the cheapest i can think go for company formation anywhere um, and and it'll be done also i mean read this and weep many jurisdictions the same day
1: yeah oh yes yes half an hour i think probably yeah <laughs> so, yeah
0: um, and you can file, and you can file all your paperwork online, pretty much, and you can do everything. So you you don't need to end up making endless good grief. I'm sure. Well, you you remember only too well the the opportunity to post things to wherever it was Swansea or somewhere, or wander up to City Road in London at different times, and it's all gone online, which is phenomenal.
1: You also have we have uh, our company's registry is available free online at companieshouse.org. Yes. And that's an amazing repository of company. All companies registered, companies house are registered there. You can go online for free and look them up, look up their accounts. So if you're doing competitor analysis, you can find out what's going on. It's phenomenal.
0: Yes, it is. I agree, and and that's been a, an incredible achievement because it used to be. I mean, you could always do that, but you had to pay a whatever it was a few pounds, and you had to trek to the top end of the city and look at microfiches, which wasn't quite as user friendly. The GUI on microfiche machines really needed a lot of work over time. Look, it's really quite incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just coming up to 20 minutes into the hour of this discussion. I am here with startup guru Madwena Reese mogg She's talking to me today about all sorts of issues. She herself is an avowed pluralist. We'll be getting to that in just a second. We'll be talking about the background to her career in startups. What would you like to ask And She's here to talk about your startup issues, angel issues, as you go through them. So Madwena, I mean, you've seen this incredible sophistication of startups. You're talking about five to six billion pounds. What's that better part of eight billion dollars or more every year being invested in five, 6,000 startups. How has the actual, approach of investors changed over time because certainly 15 years ago you weren't seeing anything like that amount of money raised and obviously the rounds were much smaller
1: so i think one thing that stimulated the increase in investment by angels in particular was the tax breaks which they started increasing the levels of how much you could invest each year so okay. back in the early 2000s i think it was 200 pounds a year and now it's a million pounds a year so that has driven up capital into the market because more people can invest more Um, startups have become better Uh, investors are hunting for growth and as many a wealth manager tells me it's the unquoted part of their portfolio that investors really love particularly if they're ex-business people themselves so most business people are not that excited by looking at black and red numbers on a wealth manager's report but they love talking about their age of investment
0: Fascinating. I mean, the whole sophistication of the way that there's now an epicenter of the startup business has become incredible. And indeed, when you started in 2003, I can't think of a single accelerator or incubator that was actually in existence. Perhaps there was something in the university, but I don't think there was anything. No.
1: I mean, some of the angel networks have been going as long as I have. Yeah. Uh, and longer. But there were very few of them. Um, there was still in, there was always been investment going on. It just maybe wasn't called angel investment. Um, but now we have a much more formalized you know, people write books on how to do it. people give training on how, I give training on how to do it all over the world. Um, and so as a result, it's a more sophisticated. I'm not certain it's actually an asset class yet in its own right, but it's almost there. And that means that people can then to join that bandwagon and the quality rises, the experience rises. We've got, I think, 29 unicorns in the UK. So uh, for investors, it's always, you might just hit the jackpot.
0: Yes, it's incredible. I mean, you think about the early 2000s and you look at, there was a relative policy. Okay, there were some of the people who came through in the dot-com bubble and some of them, of course, disappeared. But we did have various sort of internet darlings who became quoted stocks and so on. And before that, we'd had, I suppose, Herman Hauser of the Acorn Atom. Yes. Yeah.
1: He's still investing.
0: <laughs> I know, amazing man, incredible man altogether. And uh, he produced the the, the the Acorn Atom, which I remember being a computer I lusted after when I was a very, very young schoolboy but could never afford. Um, must have been all of £150 pounds at the time. The it, It's an amazing thing, but he certainly drove a lot going forward. What is the situation these days? I mean, are there really high profile investors that we're seeing that are causing a lot of this movement or how does the sort of the ecosystem work in terms of its investment dynamics
1: so we've got almost always got two ends of the spectrum so you've got quite a lively equity crowdfunding market which is a good entry point for for many investors i in fact one of the investors who writes to me he's got 700 equity crowdfunding investment so there's that end of the scale where there's people investing the 50 to 100 quids and then you've got the high rollers. I think there are about 150 people who invested a million quid in 2019 in, in EI, under the tax rate scheme angels use called the EIS scheme. So it's the full range. Um, a, typically, uh, uh, a typical angel, and is there such a thing, um, would invest between 25 and 50 grand per deal in the first round. But of course, they nearly always have to invest in another three or four rounds after they've done that first round. So maybe putting in... 50 to 100 to 200 grand per company that they invest in and and of course the trick for them is to build the portfolio because diversification just like in your world patrick diversification matters and you need quite a lot of deals to diversify the risk in asian investing probably at least 15 but more like 30 to 50. So, yeah
0: uh, so another issue very- doesn't it because it takes quite a long time to close Fifteen deals, let alone 30 to 50. I mean, it's going to take you five years to really build a portfolio, I would have thought.
1: It does. It does. And it, and it all depends you know, how much work you want to do on each one. So some angels do fewer and do them really deeply. Others join syndicates and so share share the workload, share the responsibility. And other high rollers just you know, buy their seats at the table big time and, you know, make sure they've got the entrepreneur's attention that way.
0: Fascinating. So there's all human life is there, as Paul Gallico said about writing about baseball all these years ago. What about the actual sort of rounds? I mean, you've said you've mentioned how much more money is being invested, but I'm sure you've seen a big change in the size of even the very earliest seed rounds as we've gone through the last 15 years.
1: I think we've seen a a greater understanding of to make something become a unicorn. It needs investment. You can't. It's hard to do it quickly with no money. So there's there's various variables, time, money and people. And if you don't have enough of all three, um, you won't get there. So we are seeing round sizes rise. Um, We have an even more generous tax break scheme than the EIS scheme, which allows not 30 percent income tax breaks, but 50 percent called the SEIS scheme. So you see a lot of startups starting with one hundred and fifty grand because that's fairly doable. and then often we see rounds one, you know, half a million, a million, two million in sterling fairly soon thereafter.
0: Fabulous. Really fabulous. And so if I'm a startup in the UK, how do you go about it? Is it easy to get this permission for SEIS or EIS schemes?
1: Yep. So the, 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 the HMRC, uh, to probably their chagrin created a thing called advanced assurance so you write to hmrc saying i'm a new startup and this is what i'm doing and they write back saying yes we agree you're eligible for these tax for your investors to receive these tax breaks so the company is the enabler and the yeah. investor receives the tax break
0: excellent and that's and, and presumably therefore that doesn't take months on end i mean hmrc are reasonably responsive
1: yeah, I mean you, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect a reply tomorrow, but no. they're, they're pretty good and they're a very high quality gang of people. Actually, should I say about tax people? I don't know, but tax authorities, but actually they're a great gang. Yeah. It's oh, for-
0: very interesting. It's very interesting. And so then just spell that out for our for our viewers again. So you've got this this B E I S thing and you've also got an E I S scheme, yes?
1: No, sorry, so not B, S for sugar, S for oh, sugar. S. I'm sorry. So known mm-hmm. as C E I S. So oh, that so that's investment.
0: your first. You can raise your first hundred and fifty thousand that way, right?
1: Yeah, and and investors like investors with spare income and spare capital mm-hmm. like these schemes because they can get a fifty percent income tax break if they invest in an SEIS investment, wow. and it, with EIS it's a thirty percent break
0: okay but but you can only raise so sorry just to understand this you can only raise 150,000 at the seed at the seed level is that right yeah but, but it's not specified how much equity that is just in case anybody's no. watching trying right. to understand yeah that's okay it's just
1: where we sorry. did when we did crowd rating
0: mm-hmm. we raised our
1: first 150 grand and we sold 10% of the business right so, but we did it's more typical that you'll be and it's always something I stress is you are selling your shares for cash it's not giving or any of the other words it's selling and you it's more normal to be selling 25 to 30 percent
0: right okay that's a good it's a good marker for people we have a question I do believe it is Serial entrepreneur Dermot core a fellow countryman, although he's coming tonight all the way from, I do believe, his beautiful idyll in Poland. Hope it's not too snowy there. Dermot, good grief. You've blocked off my chin with the length of this question. So take a deep breath. What would you recommend, Modwena, for a project which is to be spun off and needs to attract angel investment with investors? who can also provide a roadmap for future rounds because of the commercial growth?
1: That is a fantastic question, not least because I've been getting very involved in the spin-out world in the UK in recent months. So I have a little bit of knowledge. So I think what you need to do is be exciting. And part of that is the communications of what you're doing. So I'm not sure whether you've got a new chemical or a new bit of software. But instead of thinking of it as a bit of tech or as a bit of a chemical turn it into a story that investors can understand and the other really important thing for me uh, and that's something I look at very closely is do you have good financial controls in your business and do you have someone in your team who is a really expert financier that is one of the highest correlations for success in entrepreneurial businesses not just the management team a management team with a strong financial control doesn't have to be a finance director from a FTSE 100 but it does have to be someone who knows about bookkeeping and accounting and can help you prepare projections so that is my big tip um and then of course you're going to need a business plan a deck a deck start with the deck make the deck really tell the story and make it zing um and then get out there and start talking to people and tell people what you're up to and and why this is going to be a great experience for them, not just for making money, because everyone wants to make money, make it something that they emotionally engage with.
0: Fascinating, really, really interesting question. And therefore, however you're gonna spin this out, financial probity is absolutely vital. Also, we've got a question. It might also be Dermot asking a supplementary because he's wondering: Are similar tax breaks available in the USA?
1: So the USA, it's generally the tax breaks if they're available at state level, not national level. But yes, oh, different okay. places do have good tax breaks. And actually, if you want to attract um, the biggest tax break, I think at the moment it's Turkey is winning the race because so they're offering a seventy percent income tax break to angels who invest. Wow.
0: That's quite incredible. Turkey offering 70%. Sorry, I think that's Rob, possibly Rob Hodgkinson, but I'm not sure. It's Rob H. certainly who asked that question. I'm being told in my ear by the production team. Thank you for that. So Turkey leads the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get a massive inducement on taxation for your startup, that's quite fascinating altogether, those of you who fancy the opportunity to go to a very, very interesting and dynamic country. Do keep the questions flowing, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with Madwena Rees-Mogg. We will be delighted to hear more. Slight skew away from the more public markets focus of Exchange Invest, my daily newsletter, with our excellent guest this evening. So, Madwena, you touched on something, and that was another component in the startup revolution in the course of the last uh, decade or so, crowdfunding. The UK has really done very, very well with crowdfunding, I think. Tell us a little bit about it.
1: Uh, Well, my funny story is I have a lovely email uh, from before Crowdcube, which is the big one that started first, from the two founders. It's a very polite email saying, dear Mrs. Rees-Mogg, we're two new entrepreneurs. We want to do this crowdfunding thing. Could we please meet you for a cup of coffee? (laughs) So we're still friends. (laughs) But um, I think it's a marvellous addition to the funding community. I think most people are pretty rational and if they want to invest 50 or 100 quid in a new pub or a new tech or a new food product, go, we should go for it. And the regulators have been very good about helping it to happen. And now I think it's some hundreds of millions are raised, raised each year by crowd funders. Uh, the other thing that, that I just, if I may just say, is your crowdfunding investors are also your customers and your greatest champions. So if you can get yourself 200 crowd funders, you've probably got yourself 200 customers and you've probably got, with their networks, a 1,000 or 5,000 champions and people who could become customers.
0: And, of course, there's some great stories about that in the UK, aren't there? I mean, I do believe the brewers were very good at that, wasn't oh. it? Brewdog and many others. They've had amazing stories.
1: On, on where I'm not, like Asset Match, we trade Brew Dog secondaries. So... Um, yeah, they are a phenomenal story of how within, what, is it less than 10 years, Patrick, since they started?
0: Yeah, and they're, they're, all, they're yeah. not just
1: a brewer, they're a pub and they're in America and they've got, you know, my supermarket, everything's being pushed off the shelf so BrewDog can have more space. Yeah,
0: it's, it's fascinating altogether. And I agree with you as well. I think, I mean, all too often we conjoin in financial huddles and complain about the regulators and complain about the tax authorities. But after saying a good word for HMRC, I'm with you. I think the UK FCA have been very pragmatic over crowdfunding regulation over time. How, therefore, does that I mean, impact something like you're mentioning? Actually, tell us a little bit about it. Asset Match, this, uh, this platform, you're a non of.
1: So I think that you referred to earlier, Patrick, that so many uh, uh, investments you could be in. We often say to angels, you you should expect to be in for fifteen years, and the cynics say it's longer than many marriages. So this, the angels have been sort of trained to get used to long long investment periods. But what we're seeing when asset match is proving again and again is that actually there is an arbitrage opportunity for people to sort of get out and get in to unquoted companies. So we're finding that people can make a good capital gain, but actually when they sell, they've maybe made three, five times their money already, but somebody else can still buy in at that point and make another three to five times their money. And and as people begin to understand the sheer value of that, we're seeing more and more activity
0: that's really interesting to hear sort a private share market growing up and so therefore I may have mistitled it I, I wasn't sure if asset match was purely a bond trading business whatever so it's actually doing secondary equity
1: it's, it's all it's all equity at the moment yeah. fascinating
0: altogether really fascinating and I do believe we've got another question has come in from um, Etienne Goffin. it's a pleasure to have you this evening Etienne on the show you're on IPO live so. Etienne is asking you the question, well, Drum roll for a distributed $5,000, as the quiz host might say. What, Madwenna, is the best jurisdiction to relocate a blockchain-based fintech?
1: Okay, so come to London. London's the home of fintech. Um, I understand from one of my angel friends that Singapore is pretty hot too.
0: I mean, that's a very good answer. I would actually say London's a great place to be. The only disadvantage to London is the cost of living. Everything else is absolutely fantastic about London in every possible respect. And the cost of living, well, that's just the premium you have to pay in order to manage to be in really the only cosmopolitan mega metropolis of of Europe. I mean, it's quite incredible. So I, I would... I would, I would actually say that's the, the answer I would give to Etienne for my 0.02 Satoshi's worth. Thank you, Etienne Goufant. Great question. If you've got any more about startups, scale-ups, whatever you're looking at, ladies and gentlemen, this is The Forum this evening with Modwena Rees-Mogg. So, Modwena, tell me a little bit. I mean, last week we actually had guest. He's a publisher, he publishes specialist exchange traded derivatives information. Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't get a chance, watch that. It's a great interview altogether together with Will Mitting. Now, one of the things we touched on was things like the conference business moving forward. You are a prolific organizer of conferences. You have some magnificent speakers like Dominic Frisbee, who was on this show just a month ago, the Bitcoin expert, comedian, and many more things a true, a true pluralist in many senses. So tell us, I mean, how do you see the conference business going at the moment? When obviously it's rather difficult to get out of the uh, the comfort of your own home.
1: I think people are adapting amazingly to the whole online Zoom webinar, these live streams. Um, we are running something in two days, and we've got over two hundred people signed up, and we it's a relatively niche subject area. So I was getting 400 coming to a live conference and we're now seeing the numbers grow online and people seem to be pretty forgiving of the, the, the that it's not live. I mean, I can't wait to get back to live and actually be with people. There's nothing like actually interacting as humans with each other. But I think the online world is working absolutely. You know, it's doing its job and people are beginning to go be able to make money by doing online conferences
0: that's great that's really really good to hear because it allows you to carry on with what you're doing and actually that brings me to a very good topic of conversation and uh, actually we're going to park that for one second because we've got another question from a linkedin user it might roll back again he's asking have safes made their way to the uk and if so what is your view on them for investors as well as for entrepreneurs
1: there's quite a lot of chatter about them. There is some debate around how it interlinks with the tax break scheme. So, the so we are finding that there's more talked about them. Uh, we're tending to use sort of convertible low note structures, but the the government currently will not allow those sorts of structures to have tax breaks. So, if you want tax breaks, you need vanilla equity.
0: So vanilla equity, get the tax breaks, but you can use safes and these other sorts of structures that are allowing you to go for a later valuation for your conversion, which is essentially safes are another variation on the theme of convertible loan note. Yeah.
1: So, they they're good, of course, they're good for investors. And in, in a sense, they're good for entrepreneurs because you avoid setting the valuation and it can be very hard. Um, we've seen in the UK, the government, because of coronavirus, has launched something called the Future Fund and that's a cln structure um but but there's a bit of a sting in the tail because it's redeemable at three years at double i think double double redemption so if you don't either in three years time you're gonna have to pay it back twice or convert um so i think i think the the thing i would say is that these structures they're just a way of avoiding making a decision and for some investors or some entrepreneurs it's better just to accept the decision. Something I think people always think that raising investment is a one-way street for entrepreneurs' stakes to go down and investors' states to go up. But one of my friends is just closing around six million round, still calling it a seed round, which says it all. Um, and they've actually negotiated back from about 15%, I think, to 45%. Because they've said I-, I was too low. If you want me to make this business work, I need my state to go up again. So I think you know you should always I think too much entrepreneurs think it's a one-way street. And it's always a negotiation. So be confident, be bold, be right. Don't be wrong. If you're wrong, you won't get what you want. But if you're right, investors need you to win so they make money on your back. So help them understand what it takes to make you make money and you will find they're pretty receptive and intelligent.
0: That's quite fascinating. And you, you touch upon something again. I mean, just how large some seed rhymes can actually be in this day and age, which is, in, in the old days, they would have been given their whole own letter of an alphabet.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's very, but it's also necessary that, you know, America, in particular, the United States, you know, they really understand how to fund businesses and throw money at it. I think it was, was it Mark Zuckerberg's, you know, in the UK, you, back when Zuckerberg started, your entrepreneur, if they found the angel by luck and does somebody, you know, you get checked for 10 grand. And I think, I think, was it Elon Musk gave Zuckerberg 100 grand, $100,000? in the same time so this sort of wall of money companies they do need a wall of money if they're going to become very big very quickly.
0: Yes absolutely if you remember in the, in the late 90s there was a the British chap whose name escapes me now who was trying to build something like Amazon except he used the existing infrastructure and raised about four million and I think basically at the same point in time you had Jeff Bezos was raising about four million for every warehouse he was building of a network of however many it was even then, 10 or 20 across the United States of America. I mean, the scale is quite difficult. And, and sometimes I agree, I mean, seed investors can be very, very lowballing what goes on. But of course, I mean, you don't have to take equity per se. There's also this whole concept of peer-to-peer lending, which jumps us two days into the future, because that's what you've got 200 people looking at on Thursday. So tell us a little bit about the state of that in the UK as well, please.
1: That well, what's if, what's interesting we found out literally in the last in, in promoting this event we're doing is that that's still actually it's more peer to peer than you might think. So we've got lots and lots and lots of investors signed up. We've got many less advisors signed up than we expected. So I, I say that's the first theme. It's still individual people really wanting to do this stuff, um, and they are lending to everything from startups to property. Uh, if if you can pin it down. Somebody's setting up some sort of peer-to-peer platform that enables somebody to lend to the, the structure.
0: That's really interesting. I mean, it's quite, uh, it's quite fascinating because, obviously, we've seen some amazing upheaval in China where they've wiped out the entire peer-to-peer industry after a few shenanigans and so on. And it's, it's intriguing because also America, really, the peer-to-peer industry seems to have gone quite corporate and yet the UK is still existing, actually, as a peer-to-peer loans market.
1: I mean, I'll know, I'll know more after Thursday when I've had a chance to talk to them all, but that's certainly the impression we've got, is that there's a, there's quite a lot of interest in it. I mean, I think it's the thing, I was, like I said earlier, which is investors are hunting for return and hunting for growth, you know, in, in a world of, you know, 0% of the bank, 0% everywhere else. And, and stock markets being, perhaps you, you, I won't talk to your expertise, Patrick, but you know, the US, yeah, US tech stocks, great. But if you look at other stock markets, you know, the performance is more more variable. So so they want something that they can make money in.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, and it's very kind of you to flatter me, although I suppose if I'd really ridden this current stock market properly, then I'd be on my own private island in the Caribbean at this juncture. So so maybe there's obviously something I haven't quite done right yet, um, But I appreciate the kind comments, the kind sympathies all the same. Um, Your comment actually about zero interest rates where people are searching for their next investment. That's very apt because that actually lines up with our next question. So we're being asked on LinkedIn once again, and they're saying, are investors focusing in on COVID affected industries like trends to remote work?
1: Not, not, I would say that's part of it. So what investors really are looking for is the future. And they're looking for the, what the post-COVID world is going to look like. So, so they're investing where they see a post-COVID world because, because they're investing early. The timing of when they invest and when the company starts really growing may be uh, not synchronized completely. So, But we will see, I think the good news is we'll see a lot of investment in things like vaccine tech and this new, is it MNRA or NMRA vaccine technology? And that's going to give a real boost to healthcare as a sector. Uh, but healthcare has always been popular. They're, they're after new internet. They're after the AI, robotics, the stuff that's going to grow really big and become you know, the new Googles.
0: It's really fascinating all together, And thank you for that question, Dermot Kaur, joining us once again from Poland, who's got his own position in a very, very interesting recruitment based startup at the moment ladies and gentlemen which will be funding again soon I do believe. So we're coming into the last 15 minutes ladies and gentlemen final quarter stretch what would you like to ask Modwena? I'm sure you've got a fantastic question for her meanwhile don't forget to hit that like button down at the bottom of your social media that's the only way ladies and gentlemen we can get the message out there to improve the way that people invest as angels in all fashion for startups and other markets and therefore make a better more prosperous world so deploy your like button now ladies and gentlemen thump it with a bit of gusto and help us keep funding the world and bringing people back into employment in these covid ravaged times so back to yimodwana i mean it's it's very interesting not necessarily a covid focus per se on precise industries but obviously people are looking at a lot of things people are investing in a lot of different things. You've mentioned how people have huge portfolios. One could call that pluralism, but actually you run the Pluralist Opportunities Club, and that's a sort of a very elegant twist on the whole theme of pluralism in several added dimensions.
1: Yeah, so I do, uh, I have a club, and this is something which I think is so important. I have no idea on this call how many, what what age ranges you fall into, but basically I think we're going to see a world where the, dare I say over 40s, are going to create their whole economy of their own uh, as entrepreneurs, business people, and all sorts of things. And they will compete with the 20 to 30 to 40-year-olds who will also be up there building businesses. So we really focus on the 40 pluses and helping them grow an amazingly successful career, but earning not just from one job, but from many different activities. So it might be writing books, it might be investing, it might be agent investing, it might be consulting, it might be being a NED. I've got 20 different activities that I can help people make a lot of money out of. Um, and then as part of that club, every every other week, and I encourage you to come forward and get in touch. We actually do pitching events, and what's different about ours is that our entrepreneurs they do not pitch for money, they pitch for help. And typically they will get a gang of fantastically senior experienced people come forward and offer to help And the magic bit is these people help for no cash they're happy to wait to get their rewards later that might be shares it might be revenue shares it might be commission doesn't matter but crucially they will come in wade in help your business grow and we can talk about who makes money in a couple of months or a bit later
0: What a fantastic advertisement for PIF, the pay it forward economy. Absolutely perfect. And at the same time, remember pluralism, ladies and gentlemen, for all those of us who've been working on the internet for 25 years, you've got to have a multi-portfolio based existence. Speaking of which, don't forget to pick up a copy of my latest book, Victory or Death, with a forward by the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange, Jeff Sprecher, talking all about Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and more importantly, the future structure of financial markets and fintech as a whole. Anyway, plug over, but I think the point's well taken, actually, because you know one of the things that's most struck me at the point when I tried to be vaguely academic, I remember that afternoon many decades ago, Nietzsche. Only wrote philosophy for twenty years, and he actually knocked in a full three score year and ten. I mean, he lived to be about eighty years old, but he only he only spent twenty years writing philosophy. Yet that's what everybody remembers he does. There was another sixty years when he was I don't know angel investing or something, or going down to the pub or or goodness knows what he was doing. So I mean, it, it's sort of funny, isn't it? Because I think the pluralists come up is a great idea because you're bringing forward something that that actually in the olden times. The only reason people lived and worked a complete career in one job was actually because they died before they got to the age where they could qualify for their pension. I mean, the whole idea of the old age pension was the ultimate carrot on the end of a stick, which was like, you know, if you can just get that old, we'll give you that money. And, of course, everybody carked it before they reached 65. So uh, it's a great opportunity, pluralism. Now, speaking of pluralism, there's one huge thing that we have got to address, the elephant in the room. We've got a great question from Beata Young, no less, serial entrepreneur and the proficient organiser of the Women on It, Women on IT movement. She's asking, Madwena, what do you believe are the key elements of a successful investor?
1: Oh, is this a successful angel investor? Or Absolutely, I believe so, yes. Okay, successful angel investors are, first of all, they can afford to lose the money, so they can afford, therefore, to be much more relaxed about their approach and they also understand risk and lastly they really understand timing which is not talked about enough in investing in my world so getting the timing right is one of the most important elements of becoming successful if you invest in the right company at the right time at the right price you stand to make a lot of money but there are many many investors who invest too late And don't get the return. And there are many investors who invest too early and have to spend a small fortune waiting for the company to catch up with the market conditions.
0: Yes. I think timing is such an important issue. You can be just way ahead of the market and it's absolutely no good whatsoever, and it becomes such an issue. Or alternatively, you can be the person who's just buying in the peak of the bubble of the most exciting moments, and it's incredible. We're 50 minutes into this conversation and nobody's even mentioned Bitcoin so far. But anyway, they, I think the thing that's fascinating about the whole angel universe, as you see it now, is just how sophisticated and large it's become. But yet, there's still a huge opportunity in there for everybody.
1: There is, and I think any with the crowdfunding, I would encourage people, You know, it must be the spare cash you'd otherwise spend on the fifth pint in the pub. Do not spend any core money on this activity, but you should definitely get involved in crowdfunding and give it a go and and get the feel for what it's like to invest in a startup and the journey you go on. Um, You will will find probably the, the stats tend to suggest that you'll lose at least half your money within a year or two. But when it comes good, my, my favourite angel investment story is somebody who put in 12 and a half grand into an investment. And Patrick, I'm going to challenge you to tell me how much he took off the table when it exited.
0: I millions. How much?
1: And he put, put in 12 and a half thousand
0: pounds. And half half and I think he took millions.
1: Well, you know, you've got to give me a number. It's no fun if they give you a number. I will
0: say 12 million.
1: 127
0: million wow now that's, that's a number lot. i mean that really is a number i mean that's that's the house in cap for out the lovely house in the georgian terrace and sw1 plus whatever you want to drive and yes a reasonable lease on the jet and 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 the house in cap for out and, and everything yeah i mean that's that's really good and retirement money and and a 50 million dollar angel fund to carry you on yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, yeah, quite a lot of punts can't you with the the extra 10 percent you made <laughs>
0: Yes, exactly. I mean, absolutely. It's, it's, it's really, really quite, that's a stunning number. I mean, that, that's an incredible advertisement for what's going on. What about though, I mean, just looking at the other side very quickly, and I'm going to come to we've got a great question just, just coming up from Martin Watkins. What about the, the downside of that in terms of, I mean, what are the numbers we're seeing of companies, not just startups as all, but startups that go forward and credibly try to angel fund and then work their way through the angel networks. What do you think is the sort of number who are failing out of those?
1: Oh, oh, it's uh, it's frightening. It's it's yeah. there is there is not enough capital for the demand. I uh, I'm not sure how many of you are following the the UK market, but last year the government, in order to help SMEs help with with COVID problems, they launched a couple of lending schemes. And I think I saw last week that something like sixty eight billion pounds has been lent to 1.4 million companies. So I was talking earlier about you know six thousand and eight billion. You realise just how much capital demand there is for the small businesses, and uh, we want to crack that. We want to find a way to get that capital into those businesses so investors can make returns, and entrepreneurs on- <laughs> can win.
0: And it's fascinating because, as you say, I mean, the UK is doing fabulously well, raising six billion a year. But then all of a sudden, you're talking about an equity gap of potentially 68 billion, which shows there's quite an opportunity out there.
1: A massive, massive. And um, it's um, it's going to be very interesting to see yeah, what how, how this year turns out. I think, I mean, angels were a bit jumpy because they tend to like to know the entrepreneurs they back. I mean, know them as in meet them and. Feel that they yeah. can, can connect, and there's been a certain there was a certain amount of caution around in a Zoom world where how can you trust somebody on a video screen? But we're beginning to see that crack now. Just uh, it's still it's going to be tough for a little while longer, but we're seeing deals get done. Particularly, you know, if you can find yourself one angel, that's a big a big step forward. Because then the angel should know other angels, and then the other angels will rely on the person you know. To give you that vote of confidence to say you should be backed.
0: That's really, really interesting altogether, and that brings us to a great question. With six minutes to run, Martin Watkins, greetings to you. An early—he was actually an early stage guest on IBOVid all those months ago. Martin, it's great to hear from you this evening. Doyen of the City of London, one of the one of the many key figures in the Exchange Invest One Thousand of the most influential people in the exchange industry. How do we improve, and actually he's corrected himself here, how do we improve the loss appetite of European investors to reach the levels evident on the US West
1: Coast? I think, well, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I really think. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but it's what I think should happen, is that two things. One is we need to bring into the whole of European education training about business and entrepreneurship. Uh, So from the age of five, when children learn to count by playing shop, we should just keep them playing shop for the next 20 years. So it becomes part of their DNA and they become more skilled at judging risk for themselves. That's one of the things I would do, but that's probably a 20-year project and requires me to become an education secretary of a major nation to even start it. Um, I think the other thing is to uh, not... Uh, allow investors to be teased by quick wins. So we have to uh, let investors get educated about risk and loss. And I think if you talk rationally to people and explain it in clear language and they understand about diversification, they understand about timing, they understand about quality of business and business teams, that will help Uh, the market to grow but boy do we need it to grow because we need a lot more of this capital to come into the market.
0: I think that's a really very very sensible and serious point that you make in every possible respect. I hope that helps you Martin with the answer and certainly it strikes me that even now there's already really a disconnect isn't there? I mean the continental European market seems to have almost no loss or risk appetite for equity investment. I mean everybody Gentlemen, gentle ladies, and everybody else seems to prefer bonds. And actually, the UK has broken through to make itself a much more significant startup arena.
1: Yeah, I think the UK. Last time I saw, the UK is fifty percent of the European continent market, and and we're second to America. But America is bigger than us by three to five times, I think. So we do need to encourage our European friends and cousins to. To come, come come and play. Um, but the trick is to not let people take too much risk too early with something they can't afford to lose, which is why crowdfunding is a really interesting place to start.
0: Yes, the, the crowdfunding thing is fascinating, as you say, because you can speculate with minuscule amounts of money. I mean, lots of cases, £50, pounds, £100, pounds, even less, in order to get yourselves going somewhere. And you also learn a lot, because I think one of the great things is from the issuer side. The companies learn a lot about how to actually behave, so that if they do go towards the stock market, and even if they don't, they know how to talk to their shareholders. And if they, as you said earlier, if they can talk to their shareholders, they're talking to their ultimate perfect customers.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's a case of not trying to artificially push it too too fast without doing the right steps. And I'm a I'm a massive fan, and I do training of angels in you know I've just trained a load of angels based in Thailand particularly on Zoom. Um, I was in Qatar 18 months ago, training angels in Qatar. You know, we, we do need to help individuals understand that it's a good thing to learn before you start. Because it's, it's much less painful if you made a considered investment than if you made a risk investment.
0: Madwena, that's absolutely fascinating. Okay, we've got two minutes to go. What are your final thoughts? Tell us something that is going to benefit us and how that's going to make a difference to our world in the course of the next five years in the world of your pluralism or other opportunities.
1: Okay, so what, what I'd encourage you to is bring your younger, uh, particularly female, because there's a real problem with female entrepreneurship and female investment. So if you ask me to take a five-year view, Patrick, I'd say bring your younger cousins, friends, family, particularly females, particularly from um, diverse backgrounds, bring them with you and, and you teach them. If no one else is, you teach them and show them how to do it. And that will bring a new generation of hopefully tenfold larger amounts of entrepreneurship and capital, and it will become completely normal for everyone to be some sort of an angel investor.
0: Modwena, I think that's brilliant advice, marvellous news and also of course for Women On It as run by uh, the brilliant batty Young will be ecstatic to hear the advice, and I agree with you. And I think you also, if I may say so, missed out one very key thing. Why is it great to educate young girls and young women and to get here? Because actually, their results in startups, when they do get funded, is much, much more successful. So, there you go, a double whammy. Ladies and gentlemen, bring out your children, let them come out towards this wonderful arena of angel investing and entrepreneurship. Let us gather together and build the fruits of a wonderful Eden of tomorrow. of Entrepreneurial Excellence. When Race Mog has been along today, she's shown how we've come from, well, actually, very early stage seed funding in the UK in the mid-1990s, all the way through even in the early 2000s when she set up her own original angel site. There was really a paucity of information, a paucity of startups, and yet here we are now. We're funding something like five to six million, sorry, billion pounds of startups in the UK, but as Covid has shown us when the dark clouds of disease hung upon us there is demand for maybe 68, 70 billion. We're talking about still a 90% opportunity to expand what's going on. Whether we've been talking about the risk and loss appetites with Martin Watkins, whether it's been issues about spin offs and other factors with Dermot Core, thank you both very much for your questions. Absolutely wonderful to hear from Etienne Goffin. I hope you are packing your bags for London right now, Etienne. It's the place to be in the startup community, they say 50% of the European market despite Brexit. And at the same time, thank you very much to Rob H. It's been great to have you and others asking us questions on this show. It's been a joy to have our guest this evening, Modwena Smog. Don't forget, check out the Pluralist Opportunity Club. Bravo, Modwena, says the woman on IT movement. Thursday evening, they've got to get-together. They're talking about P2P lending. You can find it at the Pluralist Club website. Check out the portfolio of Modwena Smog. Thank you very much to our guests. Thank you for watching. Have a great weekend, market. My name is Patrick L. Young. If you're looking for Pith in the short term, check us out at exchangeinvest.com. Thank
1: you for all the great feedback. Thank you.